Last time on Heralds of Tiamat. Parleys, blimeys, and accords. Farron Fixers upon the Dread and Captain Ray's finally reached the rail whale bones. Upon their entrance, they came upon a strange phenomenon. The sky was raining. Rain didn't seem too strange, but there was no clouds, only the sun, only the night, clear as day, but rain fell, fell in large amounts, heaping. What became more strange is upon examination, the rain itself seemed to be salty to some degree, not fresh water as it should be, and it seemed to permeate everything. If you tried to cover yourselves up, it would sink through the leather and material. It almost felt that every drop tried to sink the ship, that every inch of water that covered your body would press you down. This oppressive rain was not foreboding for the Farron Fixers' travel. And as they began to search the islands around them, for the location of the Dragon Island, they discovered a strange one. Well, they found out that they're all strange. The island seemed to be microcosms of various environments, one of which was filled with purple trees and strange people with no eyes. Realizing that this wasn't the island they were looking for and might uh, take a little bit more difficulty to find the one they are looking for than they thought, they spend the next day and a half searching the whale bones. One night they notice strange lights in the distance that seem to flicker on and off. Whether or not this was a particular type of occurrence or, or a random one, they could not know, but as someone went to fly up to see what would be considered the pattern of these lights. They discovered that one of said patterns seemed to be a constellation, the Amiri constellation. What the significance of this was, they did not know yet, but did not like the idea of it. And they were right. As they began their next day early in the morning, they heard some jovial singing, sea shanties from a group of where sharks and hammerhead shark people? Very curious. They seemed to ask the adventurers what they were doing here, and told them that they should leave, that this place, the whale bones, is no place for them. Refusing their offer and having a conversation with them, they realized a little too late that this was a trap. Upon the starboard side, a massive warship covered with dragonborn and seemingly coated invisible took shots at the dread. These blows slammed into the hull, doing massive damage and nearly knocking some people off of their off of the ship. Realizing they were caught between one ship and another in a heated naval battle, the Farron Fixers decided that it was time to run. Taking the ship and defending it as best they can, most of their fellows, the stronger monsters and uh, individuals on the ship, Abracadaver, Atrophy, 
Carl, and Espada, as well as the Kraken Tide, headed for the warship, hoping to slow it down while the rest of the Fan Fixers escaped. While this was going on, the battle ensued with what seemed to be the Were Shark Pirates, who knew what their goals were, but Captain Dorsal Finn and Bottlenose seemed to be hell-bent on boarding their ship, and upon their ship they seemed to be moving quite strangely. A large group of undead seemed to be moving the bottom of the ship, some type of strange, scaly, zombie-like fishman. Upon almost colliding into the ship and boarding them slightly, the Farron Fixers managed to, s- to incapacitate the Were-Shark ship as well as capture some of them. However, they were still being bombarded upon by the warship. Even though it was slowed down, they feared that with some of their men down and the ship still firing at them, that they would be sunk before long. However, it seems that Carl, as slow as he did, managed to make it to the other ship and plug most of the weaponry, and the last shots go wide. The Farron Fixers realize they have to leave some of their more interesting companions behind in order to escape with their lives. Spending a day out traveling and fleeing as far as they can, Farron Fixers finally come to a rest. Realizing that they have a captive, Vice Captain Bottlenose or the first mate. Dorsal Finn is asking for parlay, and while he wasn't too happy about the way he got it, he was made amenable. This conversation began to explain quite a few things going on, such as the weeping. The weeping is apparently what Shale Abanatra dangerous sea ancient sea dragon mythic that rules this territory causes to happen in his territory the rain is oppressive and pierces through all objects magical defenses and seems to sink in and cause an emotional reaction for most creatures living things seem to have quite a bit of a problem with it and even undead things feel the weight that being said he did explain that the Brine sect did know where the Dragon Island was and told them that if they headed to the Keel Crushers, where the Brine sect is known to be hiding, they might be able to find them and get the information they need. He also said that as long as they let him go, they can have whatever information he is aware of that he's allowed to give and that he expects the Pump Pirates to come pick them up. While he hopes that the Farron Fixers do not harm him further or cause more or difficulties, he does hope, he does let them know that this isn't a life he chose, and that First Mate Bottle, First Mate Dorsal Finn is in quite a bind, as in all the creatures out here on the Sword, sword Sea. That being said, the Farron Fixers now have a decision to make. Where will they go? What will they do? And will they ever find the Draco Island? We'll find out what happens next time on Heralds of Tiamat, the maker of storms.
Heralds of Tiamat, the Maker of Storms. Last we left the Faroon Fixers. They were waking up to an early morning, to the din of rain, the weeping it's called. As the monotony continued, they spoke with their recent capturee. The one who invoked the parlay first mate, Dorsalfin. They were trying to determine where they were going to go. This was difficult, for they did not know what they were looking for, and where it was, nor how to get there. So the only logical conclusion was to seek out the Brine Sect. The Brine Sect is supposedly guarded by large gargantuan crabs called keel crushers. Dorsalfin explains to them that the reason why they hide there is because most ships don't survive the search. The Baron Fixers realizing that they don't have much options decide to take the risk knowing that the Dread is a tough living ship and could possibly do it. Dorsalfin makes it clear that he will not be with them and is going to be picked up by the pump pirates later today. At least, he assumes. With the destination chosen, they tell Rays to head for the, the Straight Meridian, a small piece of land that will hopefully cut across the patrols that they most definitely no longer want to deal with. Being that the last time they were encountering a patrol, it nearly killed most of them. Upon heading there, they realized that there was a strange island out. The island seemed to be beautiful, quite uh, incandescent and alluring. However, most of the Farron fixtures realized that this illusion was just that, an illusion. Dorsalfin explained that it was some monstrosity that floats around the Sword Sea, creating illusionary islands, or mirage islands, beckoning those closer and their ships to be crushed and eaten by said Leviathan. Narrowly avoiding such a disaster, the Farron Fixers finally make it to the coast of the Strait Meridian and only to be greeted by, you guessed it, the Pump Pirates. Ladies all, Amazonists, like women, arrive on the song, canceling out the din and the oppressive weeping. For once, they realize that uh, sea shantings or singing is probably one of the few ways to stay in control of your mind here. In the Sword Sea, but as the women approach, Raze gets on edge, has everyone man their weapons, and prepares for conflict. It's made clear that the pump pirates are no pushovers. They hardly seem worried and are amenable to some degree. They chat, make some light threats, explain to the Ferran Fixers that they're here for First Mate Dorsal Finn and the other two captives, and that there can be a bit of an exchange. They don't have any prisons of their own, but they can provide information. The information they got 
one of which being a very important piece of information, that being the water temple that has Shale Abenakran's horde is actually located on the dragon island that moves. Well, it seems a lot of their missions and quests seem to be aligning right on top of each other. Mighty convenient, that. Handing over Dorsalfin, or letting him jump over deck to go to them, the pump pirates set off, along with their strange crew and their Rakshasa first mate. Upon leaving the women in six-inch stiletto pumps, the Farron Fixers finally reached the Strait of Meridian. Upon arriving, they realized that there is not going to be an easy way to cross this landmass. The ship begins to, to turn and grind as it starts to make land. The treads, the spikes under the bestial form of the dread, the creature, begin to cross the land. Raze gives everyone positions, and the team works together to tear apart the land in front of them, keep whatever beasties on the island away from the ship, and manage to do it quite well. Five to six hours pass across the land, and they manage to make it to the other side. Upon reaching the other side, they realize it's late evening. Nightfall is approaching, and they decide to push forward. They don't have time to really waste here in the keel pressures, and want to seek out the brine sect as quickly as possible. Heading deep into the cavernous rifts of the keel crusher reef, they discover a strange windfall of money that they decide to leave where it is. Things out here are not what they seem, and they figure that is one of them. Indecision and indecisiveness won out as they pass by and end up running into the creatures that they were so hoping to miss. Two gargantuan crabs rise out of the water, attacking the dread and holding it in place, trying to crash and crush its bow. The keel crushers are no joke. They have these strange, idol-like golden figurines on top of their heads that wail loudly, causing a myriad of effects. The battle rages, and the and the fan fixtures know that these creatures are not impossible to kill, but they're not easy either. Managing to break their grasp and escape forward, fan fixtures think that they're almost out of the woods. And then another crab shows up, this one three times the size of the last two, and it lifts the dread straight out of the water 50 feet. Fan fixtures are flabbergasted, confused, and worried. This creature can snap the dread in two in a single blow, and they have to figure out to, a way to let it, make it let go. Vistari, with some quick thinking, manages to turn it into a smaller crab with a polymorph. However, from the fight it falls, it instantly turns back, but it did let go of the dread. Upon hitting the ground and some of the party members falling overboard, the Farron Fixers now had to deal with the giant crab on its terms. But before they could do anything, a strange humming came from underwater. A whale. A sperm whale. With strange vocal cues. Pip Pip Cheerio. And Arriva Derche. Greg, the giant keel crusher crab, as Rambo, the awakened sperm whale, arrived knocking the crab to the side and making it clear that he won't be back for some time 
A conversation, a dialogue opened up between the fan fixers and their strange new savior, compatriots, fellow crab killer. Who knows? But that wasn't not known for long. As Rambo seems to be an interpreter, or at the very least, a negotiator between the Brine Sect and the Farron Fixers. Brine Sect demanded some type of token, some type of proof that the, the Lord's Alliance would be willing to help them when they could. With that, they took one of the LA tokens that the Farron Fixers had extras of and gave Rambo as a peace offering to lead them out of the keel crushers rambo spent the day better part of a day with the Farron fixers traveling deep towards the dra dragon island that they found out from the brine sect is in a reef not too far from here about a day's out upon arriving rambo was talking to the Farron fixers and suddenly cut off worried frightened even Upon looking out, Farinfixer saw what he was afraid of. A dragonborn of large size, similar height to Ramu, but covered in blue incandescent scales, pearlescent even, that shimmered like the ocean waves, with a long rapier that seemed to dart out in different directions, almost like the coiling of a snake. This dragonborn can only be the mythic dragon chill of a nocturne seemed that he doesn't notice them though will they be able to scoot by get away he seems to be distracted with some more dangerous foes three to be exact two krakens and a leviathan elemental dangerous foes indeed but apparently shale isn't too worried he falls upon them with gusto and anguish, attacking and damaging them as the Farron fixtures watch in horror as his battle ensues, knowing that they either have to pass by it to search for the island or turn back. As the battle ensues, they witness Shale's two other forms, his dragon form, his sea dragon form, and his true form, his mythic form. There is nothing saying that sea dragons come from the ocean. While Shale Abinachran is a spectral monstrosity in the sky, and as the weeping turns to a pitch of black and an Icarus rain falls upon them, they realize that this fight is above board for them. They are unable to deal with it, or even know what to do. Lucky for them, the island made itself known. Upon the chaos, the dra dragon island was attempting to escape and almost ran the Farron Fixers right down. It is being carried by some massive looking turtle-like creature, but its features are twisted and mahi. It seems more built for war than it is for traveling. The creature brushes by them and heads south. Farron Fixers look one last moment back at Shale Abenachtran's true form and decide best to stay on mission and head after the Dragon Turtle. After they seek out the Turtle, 
for a day or so, they realize that they're friends, they're NPCs, they're group. Atrophy, Tide, Abracadaver, and Carl show up. They manage to catch up with them as they were chasing after this creature. And that is where we left off on Heralds of Tiamat. We'll see what happens next time on A Chase and Two Families. Heralds of Tiamat, The Chase, and Two Families. Last we left the Farron Fixers. They were aboard the Dread, chasing after the Dragon Island. In the early afternoon, they were planning their entry, and suddenly, Pain began to rack their bodies. Exhaustion riddled their minds. The rain, the weeping, was finally taking its toll. Understanding a few things in the moment that apparently long-term exposure, five days to be exact, causes a reduction base abilities means that the Faron Fixers shouldn't stay out here in the Sword Sea for longer than necessary. With new motivation to move forward, they make a decision. They have their friend tied and their new friend Rambo help push the dread to get close into the side of the dragon island hoping that if they can get parallel with it they can run and hopefully catch it before it passes moving at a blinding speed with water walk and water breathing they venture to the island doing a daring skill challenge of dodging waves and mysterious fogs and lair actions that they magically avoid. They manage to make it near the edge, where tentacles seem to rise from the beast that carries this massive landmass. Tentacles are dispatched by Jax and they somehow make it aboard land. Tired and confused, but knowing that they have to find a safe place away from the beach. The Dragon Island seems to be covered in a strange, off-putting mist that occasionally wanders around. Based on their entry, the mist seems to come with some type of magical lair effects. And they do not want to fall under its spell. So the Farron Fixers carefully start to explore the jungle, seeing what seems to be sails on the island. Maybe the airship they're searching for? As they start heading in that direction, 
Ineli and Motsu suffer some strange visions. Ineli, racked with pain and lightning reflexes, her mind goes blank and she sees lightning in the sky. A voice speaks to her like rolling thunder. Kill the anathema. Seek your family. Return to me. As Anelli's vision was going on, Motsu's was as well. His was a bit more violent, as his body feels squished by a blunt force. He sees a vision of an egg spotted with black, and as it begins to crack, the holes spill out some type of black, viscous ichor, the yolk on the inside, death, and the body of lizard men falling out, collapsing into dust. Upon writing themselves and the rest of the Farron fixers asking what happened, they realize that both of their religious fixtures find that this island has some type of connection to their dealings as well as what seems to be demanded that they right the wrongs going on here. Finally reaching the sails in the distance, it seems to be perched right behind a ruin of a city. The city is not too big and looks to be made by less than intelligent creatures, but it is a city. It has large rivers that seem to feed into a massive whirlpool, as well as a high temple that seems to be dark and eerie. The, the city seems to have been recently abandoned about six to eight months ago. But due to the weeping's effects, it seems like erosion and rot has seemed to take hold. It is apparent that not only people are affected by this malicious rain. <laughs> Upon learning a little bit more about some of the people who created this, the Farron Fixtures realize that it is made by Lizardmen and Yuan-Ti, working together for some odd reason. The two races are not usually in good enough straits to create a village together. There must have been some amount of pressure. What this is, they do not know, but they do find an inscription. It tells them that this used to be a temple to the sea goddess, but it is now desecrated and is now called the Silent Sound Water Temple. Likely a homage to the Silent Sound Lighthouse. Worry begins to uh, asphyxiate the Farron Fixers as they traverse into the High Temple and hear a beautiful song. While most of them are enamored, others seem to find the source, a beauty, a woman, who seems cordial and tells them that the Ma holds the riches that they seek. The Ma being the whirlpool at the end of the village, 
and that the silent sound water temple awaits them and the hoard that will grant them the money and power they seek. Many of the Farron fixtures fall under this compulsory spell and want to go to the Maw, but seem to be convinced by their fellows, finally, to stop by the endowed first and rest there. Upon reaching the edge of the cliffside and climbing up to the endowed, they hear a strange voice in a squeaky tone. Shiny. Shiny, it says. Vishtari decides to pay tribute and throw gold in the air, and something quick and fast in the darkness takes the shiny. It says it again. Vishtari tries something interesting. She throws 50 coins in the air, hoping to distract the creature, but suddenly her body becomes tense, as if held in place, and as the coins fly up, the creature snatches them all from the sky and goes back to where it was, realizing that this creature is not an idiot or disintelligent. Empire decides to entreat with the creature. The creature is some type of strange chimera, a woman named Gehenna Lightbane, the ill-riggered captain from the Nine Hells. She claims that the endowed, the ship that they are trying to procure, is her ship, and that she is willing to fly it for them if they are able to get it up and running. While the ship is in good repair due to her ministrations, some scaly people, like the Yuan-Ti and Lizard Folk, have taken the crystals that control the flight of this massive airship. That being said, the Farron Fixtures realize that they have a lot to do on the Dragon Island, and decide to take up this offer with one stipulation. That, that she only flies a ship for the Farron Fixtures, and especially not for the greatest group. With that, the Farron Fixtures decide to bed down, rest, and do some much-needed comic relief with their new NPC, Gehenna. Upon resting, they see that there are lights on the dra Dragon Island, and see that there is something in the Maw of the Lake. They plan to go there tomorrow and hope that they'll be able to escape with what they need from the Water Temple. But we'll find out what happens next time on Heralds of Tiamat, the Maw. Last time on Heralds of Tiamat. The Silent Water Temple. The Farron Fixers found themselves in a predicament, trapped inside the first level 
of the silent water temple. And they could not speak or hear anything. It also was brought to their attention that telepathy has also been blocked. So main forms of verbal as well as psionic communication were halted. Quickly adapting to the situation, they began to investigate, finding several puzzles to solve on the floor. One of a coffin, one of an altar, and two others. One of a strange aster flower, and the other of a spiral rectangular pattern. The Farron Fixers began deliberating and trying to figure out which of the puzzles they need to solve first. However, it was made apparent that Xion's help was going to be needed, since they were the only ones who could speak primordial. Everything and the hints were written in such a language and was difficult for everyone to figure out. Xion's adventures in helping out their party came to some strange conclusions. One, that this place, this temple, used to belong to the Forsaken, a clan of primordials that apparently have been subjugated or at least attacked by Shale Abenoctrin. That being said, the Aster Flower, the one similar to Xion's prayer breed necklace has come up in several of the puzzles including the altar where the strange material that it's made out of the hiakori was also there Xion, uh, finding this disturbing but not wanting to worry their friends decided to keep it to themselves however upon closer inspection they realized that parts of the puzzles required their knowledge in order to progress forward. Using that, they finally managed to pass the first of the four puzzles, the altar. It was inscribed that it was an argument between two blind men about the concept of beauty. And they asked, what was beauty to the observer? And what is the most beautiful thing they can imagine? For they have to be one and the same. A couple of the Farron fixtures lost body parts and visions and senses upon failing their answers. And their new found uh, ally, Mika, a uh, trapped observer in the water temple, figured it out. Being here before and having time to think on it in their petrified state, Nico decided the word was change. For change may be disputed among everyone, but is still beautiful. Solving that puzzle, they quickly started to solve the other one. Realizing they only needed two puzzles solved, they send Jax into a dangerously toxic environment where his skin started to burn and flare under acid and his consciousness fading. Grabbing the petals and poles that they needed, they had a decision. Which direction do they take? The spiral or the flower? Jax, knowing that some of his allies are unconscious, needed to make this decision and decided to go with the flower as it seemed the least route of resistance. Upon opening the door, it was greeted by a large turtle with many rows of teeth and it told them congratulations 
and that they were free to speak. Realizing this, Jax was about to say something, but also realized that there might have been a trick. The door said, say my name, and he believes that saying the word that is the name of whatever it may be will cause the Farron fixtures to be verbally constrained again. Gathering their partying, heading down below, the Farron fixtures reach the second part of the dungeon. Upon reaching there, they decide to try, try to take a long rest. And during that long rest, we'll find out what happens next time on Heralds of Tiamat. What treasure. Last time on Heralds of Tiamat. The Trapped. The Farron Fixers have decided to forego a long rest. Their fears only flamed by the inhabitants of the second floor of the Silent Water Temple. Vinny, Tommy, and Jimmy have wormed their way into their heads, speaking about plans and things not to worry about and stuff they need to understand. The major worry is if they stay too long on this floor, they'll turn into fish, and none of them want that. Not wanting to forego any other information to decide to investigate. Taking a look around, realizing that each alcove has strange crabs as well as treasure chests with some strange items, they loot them and continue on. You find a large alcove room where the sand seems to move freely of its own accord. However, there seems to be no water pressure or movement. Even when they move around, the water seems to stay still. They keep exploring, finding various rooms of varying degrees of uh, trials. Nico ends up walking into a room where heads of large snake-like eels come out, breathing thunderous blasts, nearly killing them. Mosu finds a strange water horse, a seahorse, that eats magic. And... Vishtari and Motu also find a room with massive spears that shoot out, pinning them to the wall and trying to kill them. This place most certainly is a, is a dangerous area, and they don't have much long until they become exhausted. So the Farron Fictors continue their exploration. Shion, along with Vishtari, find a room with slime. Not wanting to venture too far, worried about all the myriad of dangers, they decide to spend more time asking the seahorse, which apparently, if you feed it magic, answers you questions. They seem to be straightforward and to the point. And the party finds out that the slime is important to solving the puzzles inside the temple. For where's the sport if there is no solution? With that, Corellia decides to check out the crabs that seem to only whisper to those who are close to them, finding out that they are strange characters. They seem to have shady personalities and try to sell 
time pieces. Strange mechanical devices that tell the time for varying prices. One in particular that Corellia spoke with was the oldest of the crabs and exchanged information for some solicitous favors. While that was going on, Xion discovered that the sand was sentient. It seems if you wrote something in the sand on the ground, the sand responded. However, it seemed to have an attitude, some sass, answering questions with questions and belittling those who asked. Most people gave up on the sand, but there seems to be more to it and might be a problem later. As the Farron Fixers finally fi find out what Corellia learned from the crab, there is an order of things here. Apparently, the kelp that they've so deftly avoided is part of the trial. They have to use the slime to get past it to reach a person called Senior Fish. Senior Fish is the only creature inside this part of the temple that can grant permission in another room, which the Farron Fixers have yet to reach. Going there, they check out Senior Fish fighting some dangerous Drake kelp. And, and provide him some time pieces. He says he would only give them a favor if he gave them the right time piece. Apparently, some of them are knockoffs. Corellia at first decides to give him a knockoff, but Motu, having an honorable moment, decides to go back and buy one of each, at least giving Senior Fish one real timepiece, even if he can't prove which one it is. Senior Fish doesn't seem to be too picky, at least in this moment, and he takes the offered gifts, providing his approval for entering the room with the octopuses. Now the Farron Fixers have their permission, as well as their information. They, f they find out from Corellia that the sand has an important part to play at the end of this, although they don't necessarily know what. They just know that they have to deal with the octopuses first. Stoppering up the holes to the spear room, as well as dealing with the kelp, they finally decide to head to the room where the octopuses lay. And with that, we'll find out what happens next time on Heralds of Tiamat, A Horde of Problems.